Our reading is um, 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, it's on the page 1159 of the Church Bible, and it'll be on the screen as well. And so as we read Paul's missionary prayer letter, um, I pray, Lord, that it will be my voice that people here know, it will be yours speaking to us through your word as we read what it is that you have for us to hear and learn from you. Amen. Amen. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our (coughs) behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray once more as we come to look at God's word. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you are a God who speaks. You are the one true living God. And you know us, you know what each person here is going through. We pray that through your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak into each of our lives this morning. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It is really wonderful uh, to be here again. It's uh, about four years um, since uh, we were last here as a family in person, and uh, that was pre-COVID, so a lot has happened uh, since then. Last time we were here, we were staying with the shepherds, uh, and of course, uh, 
they've gone and Ed and his family are here. Um, lots of changes, but our God remains the same. And you also, um, we want to thank you uh, on behalf of my family. Uh, thank you so much because uh, you've been, even with COVID and even with everything else going on, so faithful in uh, prayer and in love and in support um, for our family and for the ministry in Pakistan. So thank you for that. And it's a, an especial treat uh, this morning, bonus, uh, because we've heard over the years lots about Samuel and Sarah, but we never seem to end up co coinciding uh, at the same place and Julie, so it's great to be here and also to uh, meet Emmanuel. Um, and uh, isn't it interesting, God, it seems, often doesn't think about things in the same way that we do. Uh, his ways are higher than our ways. Uh, he's uh, doesn't seem to value our sort of human, especially Western ideas of efficiency. We find it very interesting that uh, the Lord has brought Emmanuel from Gujranwala to minister here in the UK and then taken us from the UK uh, to minister in Pakistan. So uh, wonderful. Today, as we have been hearing, is Mission Sunday. And uh, there's always a risk when we have a, a special Sunday devoted to mission and you know the the mission partner comes in for their occasional visit that that mission seems to be something that is out there for the peculiar people who are involved uh, in that um, I'm also conscious on any given Sunday morning uh, that life is complex life is challenging I don't know what you're facing this morning we've already heard uh, some of us are, are grieving as we come this morning. And, and looking at something like mission can feel like just one more thing in a context where we're already overwhelmed, where there's lots going on. Some of you may be revising for exams or stressed about cost of living or going through various different challenges with uh, family. And this idea of mission can seem very far away from daily life. But I want us to see as we look at God's word this morning that God speaks a word about mission into the reality of all of that, into the reality of life here in Chesham or Amisham or wherever you're living out your Monday to Friday, as well as into the reality of Haro and Ghana and Pakistan and wherever else we might be. The Bible deals with real life, real people, real struggles. And, and in our passage, we'll see despair and even depression. We see a book that's written in the context of conflict and squabbles. We see God using ordinary people at home and further afield. And I hope that we'll see how mission and real life connect. And if we just go on to the next slide, <clears throat> two big themes uh, that come out in our passage this morning, which I think we can all relate to. Suffering and comfort. Suffering and comfort. Have a look with me. Uh, we're on page 1159, the beginning of 2 Corinthians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We've deliberately stayed in Corinthians, uh, or in Corinth, rather. I know that you've been 
looking through 1 Corinthians uh, in the Sunday series. In terms of time, we fast-forwarded a bit. If, if, if that's all bewildering to you or you haven't been on Sundays, don't worry. But if you have been following along on Sunday mornings, we've, we've fast-forwarded a bit from where we were in, uh, um, in 1 Corinthians. And the church has been facing all kinds of challenges. It's interesting, uh, when Emmanuel was speaking earlier, he talked about Hindus in Harrow. And how when, you, when he's sharing the gospel with Hindus, there's a tendency to say, yes, I accept Jesus, but to add him to the other gods, the other deities. And it struck me that that's the case in Corinth as well, and actually that's the case here for us, isn't it? We all have a tendency to do that. We come to Christ, we realize who he is, but to begin with, we add him to our other gods, whether materialism or comfort or uh, football or whatever it is that's kind of been number one or contending for those kind of number one spaces in our lives. And, and the Christian life is a journey of gradually removing those other gods or or putting them in their right place, those other deities in our lives, as the gospel challenges the whole of life. And so, as Paul writes 2 Corinthians, he, he wants to talk about his experience out there, if you like, away from where the Corinthians are, taking the gospel to new people and places, but he also wants to apply that to the Corinthians' own experience in their surroundings. And it's so refreshingly real. This letter is full of, full of pairs, suffering and comfort, death and life, sadness and joy. Our experience and God's response. And that's really how we can think about suffering and comfort. Our, suffering our experience and comfort God's response. Have a look at Paul's experience in verse 8. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that, listen to this, we despaired of life itself. The Apostle Paul is, uh, after Jesus, the example missionary. And he writes to this church that's praying for him, this church that's supporting him, this church that's friends with him, this church that has been planted as a result of the mission work that he's been doing. I, I want you to know what I've been facing. I've been so crushed, I've been so overwhelmed, even despaired of life itself. He says in verse 9, we thought we were going to die. Thought we had the sentence of death. But then in verse 8 that we've just read, is he not saying even, we, we wanted to die? Despaired of life itself. I wanted to just get away and be with Jesus. Things were, things were too much. And later in the letter, he kind of unpacks it a little bit more, how he's been in prison, how he's been flogged and beaten and stoned at least nine times. Just think about that. I haven't even had that experience once. At least nine times. Shipwrecked. He had insomnia. He was hungry and cold at various times. And he was overwhelmed with, 
with a sense of responsibility for all the churches that he was helping to look after. And life hasn't really changed much. Life as it was, we've thrown in, you know, various bits of technology and social media and uh, cars and all kinds of other mod cons. But life really hasn't changed very much, has it? Paul was in much more physical danger than, than a lot of us are, but that sense of being overwhelmed with responsibilities, with circumstances, with conflict, with ministry, with just everything that's going on in life, got Paul to the point where he was almost thinking it would be better to die. And... Uh, that's something that I've experienced in a much bigger way over the past four years than, than ever uh, before. But Paul doesn't just expect it to be his experience, he also expects it to be the experience of the Christians that he's writing to. Not necessarily all the time, but he knows that we go through those kind of times. He knows that sufferings of various kinds are not just his experience. Have a look at verse 6. It says, if we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. There's a beautiful picture here of Paul knowing that he's on mission out there, and the Corinthians are on mission back here. And they're going through the same kind of stuff. And actually, this partnership, as... as as the Corinthians hear about what Paul is going through and then hear about how God has been at work in them, it gives them comfort, it gives them encouragement in what they're facing. End of verse 7, the same sufferings that we suffer. The authentic Christian life is hard. The Bible doesn't shy away from that. And it's tempting to... Therefore, ask, why bother? Why bother? Paul has been called by God, and he's set out to do a hard thing. He's not writing this saying, I'm suffering, things are hard, I, I, I've despaired of life itself, just so that, so that he gets some kind of pity. He's doing it because what he's setting out to do is worth it. And what the Corinthians are living for, living for Jesus, living for making him known where they are, is worth it. For Paul, it, it means lots of travel. It means going to new places and cultures. It means showing and telling the good news of Jesus in places where people don't know about Jesus. We saw this morning those pictures from, is it Bole? Is that how you pronounce it? Bole in northern Ghana. And... People there who don't know Jesus, African traditional religion. And Sarah and Samuel and Pastor Kipo uh, are there in that context, taking the gospel to a new community so that new groups of people can come to know Jesus, can come to be brought into his family. Doing hard things in, for the sake of Jesus, whether that hard thing is getting on a plane and going across the world, 
or whether that hard thing is crossing the road and knocking on the door of a neighbor that God's put on your heart. It's worth it. Why is it worth it? Well, look at who we follow. Paul comes on to this again later in the letter. Look at who we follow. We follow Jesus Christ, who has done so much for us. He gave up the glories and the riches and the comfort of heaven, and he became poor, and he became misunderstood. You know, he was hanging out so much with the wrong crowd in order to bring them God's love that he was accused of being a, being a waster, you know, get just being drunk all the time. He wasn't. But he was with those guys enough that the accusation stuck. Glutton and a drunkard, always down the pub. He faced being misunderstood. He faced being rejected. He faced being disliked. And ultimately, he faced being crucified in our place for our sins. Why? So that he could come and take us to where he is. He became poor so that for his sake, we might become rich. Not rich in terms necessarily of having lots of money in our bank accounts, but rich enjoying that reality of knowing God forever with him. To bring others' life, to introduce others to Jesus, will result in suffering of some kind. And we need to be prepared for that same possibility that Jesus himself faced suffering, rejection, misunderstanding, being disliked. Why? For the sake of people. Think of your neighbor across the street. Think of the guys in Bole. Think of the drug addicts in, on the streets of Lahore in Pakistan. People who are far from Jesus being able to come and know him. It's worth spending our lives in this way, but it will be hard. And it's, it's a call to all Christians. Mission is a call to all Christians. Mission will result in suffering. That's our experience. But what is God's response? In that suffering, there is comfort. Verse 3. Paul starts, even with all he's been facing, with saying, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is God? The Father of compassion and the God of of all comfort. Let's dwell on that for a moment. The God that we have come together to worship, what's his character? What's he like? He's the father of compassion, compassionate father. And he's the God of all comfort. That's his character. He's not a slave driver. He's not the great head teacher in the sky. So we sometimes caricature him in our minds. Nor is he a doddery grandfather, like um, he's often 
is on The Simpsons or whatever. He is compassionate father. He is the God of all comfort. He is compassionate and comforting. When we, when we use the word comfort, in our kind of day, it's often taken to mean, there, 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 there. You know, just a sort of bit of a, bit of a lame kind of comfort. He does reassure us. But when Paul calls God the God of comfort, it's this idea of comfort is strengthening. Let's have the next uh, slide. Many of you, this is not new uh, to you. The, um, this is a little bit of the Bayo tapestry. Um, and uh, across the top uh, in Latin, it says, Bishop Odo comforts the troops. And you can see Bishop Odo there in the middle, and he is comforting them with a raised club. Um, now, I'm not suggesting that, uh, you know, if the Bayo tapestry is obviously after uh, Jesus, after Paul, after the Bible's written. So I'm not suggesting that this uh, image is in Paul's mind. It wasn't. But, but comfort, the idea is strengthening, encouraging. I mean, what's he doing there? He's not... He's not bashing them, uh, he's not knocking them out, that would be counterproductive to the military effort. He is saying, come on, come on. He's comforting them, he's coming alongside them, he's encouraging them, he's strengthening them, he is reassuring them. Comfort, God is the God of comfort. And if we just have the next slide, last slide, um, which is the previous one, suffering our experience, comfort God's response. And we're just going to spend the rest of our time fleshing out a little bit from this passage. What does that comfort look like? What is the quality of that comfort? Number one, it's a, it's a multiplying comfort. Look at verse 4. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Can you say that again? God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. One of the wonderful ways that God uses suffering, challenges, difficulties is that as we go through them, we experience comfort. And isn't this your experience? And therefore, we become equipped to comfort others. Don't you find that if you've been through a particularly difficult experience, when you come across later in life somebody else who's going through that kind of experience, you have a level of empathy, you have a level of understanding that enables you to come alongside them, to reassure them, to strengthen them, to witness to them, to talk about the character of God in that situation to them, which you wouldn't have had if you hadn't gone through that situation. It's a multiplying comfort. Verse 5, it's an abundant comfort. Just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So Paul's been having a really difficult time. Paul's got to the point where he's despairing of life itself, right at rock bottom. And yet, what did he find there? An abundance of comfort. It may not have felt like a wonderful rush of endorphins all at the same time, but, but he has found in various different ways an abundance of comfort. It's a beautiful line in a um, song by, I think, Stuart Townend. It says, when the world has plunged me in its deepest pit, 
I find my saviour there. It's an abundant comfort. Suffering leads us to lean into God, to lean into his multiplying comfort, to lean into his abundant comfort. We felt we'd received the sentence of death, verse 9. But this happened. Why? So that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. And he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Suffering leads us to lean into God in two ways. First way, we lean into God for, this, for his comfort. He's the God of all comfort. Verses 9 and 10. But secondly, suffering of us and of those that we are in partnership with in mission, and it's a two-way partnership, leads us to lean into God to get help for others, to pray for others. As you help us, Paul says to the Corinthians, by your prayers. And what's the result? That many will give thanks, many will praise God. Isn't this amazing that even suffering, even difficulties, even the world's bleakest places, even the darkest pit, God is able to roll into something that results in something better, that results in answered prayer, that results in people giving thanks to God. It doesn't make it all okay. It doesn't mean that we can just glibly say, oh, well, the suffering doesn't matter because God's made something better. It's, it's rubbish. And yet God is bigger. And God can use it. Prayer here is in the context of the Corinthians are suffering and Paul is suffering. One preacher famously said that prayer is not an intercom to call the butler to come and fluff up the cushions. Prayer is a walkie-talkie to call in help call in reinforcements. So what's the challenge for us? Leaning into, we all need to lean into God's comfort and provision in order to live lives of gospel sacrifice. Wherever we are, God calls us to lives of gospel sacrifice. Wherever we are, that great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, applies to us. Whether it's at school, whether it's at college, whether it's at work, whether it's in the home, on your street, across the world. God calls us to live lives of gospel sacrifice. To, as Emmanuel was talking about, initiate those spiritual conversations. To, to talk with people, to listen to people, to share stories of who God is and what he has done. Praying for those around us, sharing and telling the good news of Jesus, knowing that as we do that, I mean, Jesus could have just stayed in heaven, couldn't he? Would have been easier. He came and he lived the life that he lived and died the death that he died. What did it mean for him? An increase in suffering, but also an increase in comfort and joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Well, that's true for us as well, isn't it? He, we're called to become like Jesus, to 
to live after his example. We're disciples, we're followers of Jesus. That's going to mean an increase in suffering, but it will also mean an increase in comfort. And one of the things that is comforting in that is that as we spend our lives for Christ, it is worth it. Because as a result of that, every tribe, every tongue, every people from every background, people from the village of Bali, Hindus from Harrow, people will be gathered around the throne of God at the banquet with him, enjoying his goodness forever. Let's pray as we seek to fix our minds and our hearts on that reality. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. You became nothing. You took the form of a servant. You became poor for our sake, misunderstood, maligned, disliked, so that we might become rich. And you call us to follow in your footsteps so that other people might know Jesus. Lord, thank you for the joy of being part of what you are doing. And the different ways that we are connected means that we are all part as we pray for one another of what you are doing here, of what you are doing in Harrow, in Ghana, through the communications ministry, in Pakistan and all the other places, Lord, that we're connected with. Lord, that's a joy. And we want to recommit ourselves again this morning to making you known wherever you call us, to presenting ourselves as living sacrifices, ready to, to go wherever you call us and conscious that actually going somewhere very nearby can be every bit as challenging as going somewhere further afield. Lord, as we eat together later, would you remind us of the banquet, that wedding feast of Jesus that we can look forward to, for which purpose for the sake of which mission is worth it, doing hard things is worth it. As we go to bed tonight, would you remind us of that never-ending day when we will be with you? Would you comfort us, strengthen us with these realities so that we are willing and ready to live lives of gospel sacrifice where you've placed us, even in the depths of despair, knowing that you can use us? I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.